Hello and welcome to a Friday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. Just testing things out with a little Tuesday Friday drop. I'm Eugene Rapay, he's Chris Danziel, and we are joined by Catherine Ryan. How's everybody doing today? Good, I thought you guys were canceled. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I know there are, there are a few people who would want that, or to hijack the show, but we were not canceled. <laughs> oh, sorry to hear that. Okay, yeah, I'm back. Thanks for having me. We're happy to have you back. We're going to talk a little JRE. We're going to talk a little non-con. Before we get into the schedule, Nova had some big news the other day in nabbing a five-star big man, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. How excited are you guys for this? Yeah, I'm pretty hyped on it, and mainly just because we stole him from Kansas, and it just continues the trend of beating down on Kansas. And when I was watching the uh, 2008 Sweet 16 with Villanova's 12 seed in Kansas as a one, and Kansas beaten down on Villanova, I said to myself, man, I wish we would be Kansas. And now an Elite Eight victory later, a Final Four victory later, and a and a five-star recruit victory later. I, I'm glad we are better than Kansas. <laughs> I uh, I just think it's getting, you know, it's one of those nice problems to have. It's hard to keep up with these, you know, five-star prospects that were sort of in the running a little later than we're used to. And, you know, at least uh, the last two have been sort of out of nowhere. You know, we get wind that a pick's coming, a couple crystal balls flip like late in the week, and then, you know, all of a sudden these five-star prospects are sort of dropping in our lap, which I think is fantastic. It's definitely something to get excited for, but it's a weird feeling to, to sort of do the roster outlook and actually have to legitimately be thinking that, you know, these prospects should basically be there for five months and then they're gone. That's a whole new feeling. Totally, totally. But I think I do agree with you in that it is a very nice problem to have. We are going <laughs> to be stacked for the next couple of years. Definitely. I mean, this year is going to be interesting because we'll sort of see what types of roles those new prospects will be coming into based on what the roles are filled this year. There's a lot of uncertainty in terms of who's going to fall where, who will pick up minutes there, where are people going to play. So sort of getting a better idea of that as this season goes along will you know, make me even more excited to see where all these new parts are going to fit in. Shout out to whoever edited the Bill Self Wikipedia article and <laughs> called him the oh, oldest yeah. son of Jay Wright. <laughs> yeah. Who's your daddy? <laughs> So it's our non-conference preview show. It's one of our favorite episodes to do during the year where we literally talk about the schedule. It gets us really hyped up. We are a couple days away from the season opener, which is this Tuesday. And that'll be with the Morgan State Bears, first up November 6th. These guys finished 13-19 and last year. They lost in the MEAC semis. It'll be the first game in the new pavilion. Are, are any of you guys going? I heard the cheapest ticket is $250. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I'm not going to make it for that barn burner. Um, but <laughs> it's definitely going to be interesting first game there. I don't really think Morgan State's going to be an issue, obviously. But, you know, to the extent of opening the new building, it should be really interesting to see what the crowd's like, considering how expensive these tickets are. I don't know if the fact that these tickets are listed on the secondary market for, for this amount of money means that, you know, at the 11th hour, they'll be pulled off and the season ticket holders will be going to the games. Or are people actually going to shell out for this? You know, are there going to be empty seats because they're all on StubHub? You know, those types of problems seem to crop up every time there's a new arena. So I'm sort of interested to see what the makeup is, uh, especially since the opponent's not too sexy. Yeah, for sure. It, it's games like these where you appreciate what you had as a student, like just able to go for free, just play the lottery. And as a senior, you're more than most you were going to be able to go. And it would be nice to go to the opening game at the, the new pavilion and, and see Villanova beat down a uh, pretty terrible opponent. But I am not shelling out $250 to go sit all the way up there. Well, so I have the, the Morgan State preview early next week, our first you know, official game preview for the season. So I've been reading about the Morgan State Bears 
probably more than I'd be proud to admit. And there's a couple of interesting things. One, they actually played West Virginia last year, which as everyone knows, obviously we played them in the tournament as well. And they lost by 63 points. Twerk! <laughs> 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 um, probably one of the ugliest box scores I've ever seen, but it was one of the opponents that we had actually you know, shared. So I, you know, foolishly tried to look at that for some insight. Their main scorer, uh, Tilly and Kenley, he's gone, but I was doing some some research into how the you know how the offense was set up and how they sort of ran things last year because we don't have much uh, obviously data points this year, but he was 25 points a game score and he's gone this year. But this is a uh, this is crazy. He was second in the country in usage rate, second in the country in percentage of shots taken, and averaged uh, drawing 9.8 fouls for 40 minutes. <laughs> Which are probably three of the most insane stats I've ever heard for one person. It was basically give the ball to Ty and just let him go. Just let let him run free. Exactly. And, you know, when you look at how how they sort of run now, I mean, they they have a couple people coming back. I mean, nothing major, but they don't really shoot from the outside. They just go really quick. They don't have a lot of shooters. They don't have a lot of options. So their whole offense was basically predicated on just throwing it inside as quick as possible before the defense got to set up so you know i don't necessarily think this is going to be a challenge for villanova but will what will be interesting is for a first game of the season when you're playing with with a lot of young players and you're trying to one of the issues we've been you know obviously discussing is how the defense is going to come together but having to play defense on a team that's sort of trying to play fast and trying to do you know run and gun and trying to get to the bucket i think that could be an interesting not so much of a test, but but maybe a litmus test and for us to see, you know, who has some work to do on defense, who can stay in front of their man, who's reading the switches. So it, it might be sort of like a safe environment to see that because like I like I said, I don't see this game being close. But to the extent that it could be a little bit of a baptism by fire for some of these younger guys to just see how they react to a team that that's really just gonna be desperate to get to the bucket because they can't do much else. And, you know, on defense with them, sort of it's kind of a trend in the the MIAC. Um but nobody can shoot. So like no team down there can shoot. So the sort of rule of thumb uh, is apparently that everybody just basically plays zone because nobody can shoot. So Villanova is basically going to be going up against this zone, the zone defense that they're playing. They can go in and out, but they might play primarily zone. And, you know, like I said, with playing defense against guys that are just trying to run and gun to the bucket could be a nice early test and maybe, maybe show us some of the skills that some of these younger guys have on defense and hopefully assuage some of our concerns. So Ken Palm has Nova as a 99.9% favorite to win. Is there, are you all saying that there is no chance that the 0.1% can happen? No. <laughs> Villanova can shoot. So, so at some point, even if they start in this zone defense, just daring Villanova to shoot, they, you know, they're going to have to come out of it because it's going to be a bloodbath. So no, I don't think this game's going to be close. They're not used to playing teams that are going to shoot from the outside and presumably Villanova is going to stick to that. I mean, I'm, like I said, there's so many new players. I guess we'll have to see how people are shooting on any given day. But you have to think that's going to be Villanova's mindset. So, you know, as long as nothing crazy happens and I don't see that happening, I don't think this game's going to be close. Yeah, what is it that you say, Eugene? Break out the Sharpie? Oh. <laughs> we're, we are chiseling Don't this into that. rock. It's not even Sharpie. It's just getting printed on, chiseled into rock or stone something. Well, the best part is everyone gets to hear all of this again when I write it up for the preview, which will no doubt have you know 300 comments because people are basically chopping at the bit to talk about anything even um, if it's morgan yeah. state yeah exactly props to you for putting together a great scouting report on i don't even know what jay yeah. wright has on his it sounds like it's probably more in depth than what he has <laughs> i'm not saying i haven't been one of the people that have been chopping at the bit to do anything other than work and the only thing i have to keep my mind busy is a morgan state preview but i'll take it 
so prediction time. I, I guess we can all assume it's going to be a, a dub. Yeah, that's a win. Yeah, a dubbington, as they say. And there you have it. Morgan State, first game, a dub from all three of us. On the bright side, though, at least the ticket price did go down. I did look a month, about a month ago, and it was like 500 or 600 oh, for ticket prices. Uh, one day. One one day one day when we're all wine and cheese, but hopefully cool enough to not be wine and cheese. I think I've decided that my strategy is going to be to go to a women's game to check out the arena. I have heard a couple people in the comment section suggest that. Well, I may do that. Not sure this season, but you know who knows? Maybe I can get into one of these games. This is your PSA to all you seniors out there. Totally take advantage before <laughs> you are on Vivid Seats, StubHub, or whatever, seeing how much these tickets cost. So right after Morgan State, Villanova will play its first game at the Wells Fargo Center, and it's going to be a little bit of a homecoming for the other coach. It is the Baker Bowl. Nova will host the Quinnipiac Bobcats on November 10th, first game at the Wells Fargo Center, and first time that Jayra will go against his former assistant in Baker. What are your guys' thoughts on this, seeing our former assistant coach now coaching on the other side? Well, one of the interesting things, uh, if you recall uh, last year when Villanova's offense, you know, was this all-world offense, and, you know, you're reading all these articles, like, about Villanova and the Rockets and the NBA, where everyone just shoots threes, and, and the, you know, the questions of why doesn't everybody just do that? You know, Jay Wright's an average, look what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. Quinnipiac is pretty much a great example of why everybody can't do that. Because you can't only shoot threes if no one on your team can shoot threes. And no one on Quinnipiac can shoot. Um, They were sub-230 in three-point percentage, but they were top 10 in the country in terms of their reliance on three-point attempts. They just chuck and duck. They don't play any defense, and nobody can make any shots. So if you want to see a perfect example of someone trying to implement Villanova's system with subpar college athletes, this is basically what you have. (laughs) So I think you're going to see... Baker trying to, you know, do what Villanova does in terms of opening up an offense, taking a lot of threes, moving the ball around, but they just don't have the shooters for it right now. So until he is recruiting for that system and he's getting players to fit what he's trying to do, you know, I think there's going to be a couple of rough years in store. I mean, obviously he hasn't been there that long. He's just starting to get some of his guys in, but, you know, they don't play defense and they don't make a lot of shots. So, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to be, a pretty game for Quinnipiac, but you know, I think just think it's a great example of how good Jay Wright's recruited and how great he's developed these players because it really sort of should highlight how difficult it is to actually successfully implement this sort of three point reliant offense where you're just opening up threes and people are taking them and everyone's got the green light because you're going to see a very ugly performance of that from Quinnipiac. Yeah, Catherine, just to put a number on that three-point percentage as a team for Quinnipiac, tied for 232nd in the nation. So really good at that. And not only are they bad at shooting threes, they're horrible at defending them. They were 340th in three-point defense, allowing 39.6% from shots from beyond the arc to fall. They're just not that that good. They went 12 and 20. Because like I said, I can't imagine chucking up that many threes and making a few of them, but (laughs) it's, it's ugly. Yeah, it's just not good all around. 12 and 21 last year, lost. They didn't get the semifinals of the MAC tournament. So, I mean, at least that's a positive for them. But I, I don't see Baker enjoying his uh, return to Villanova here. And like you noted with the, the defense, I mean, Villanova should have absolutely no issue getting off shots here. I, they're going to have so much space, especially around the perimeter. So, I mean, maybe Quinnipiac hits some shots early and makes this interesting. But, you know, you're going to basically 
have Jay Wright against his apprentice, uh, and I don't think it's guy. I don't think it's going to be close either. I'm going to give Baker a couple more years. I think the the players they they don't understand attitude yet. They they <laughs> just give them some time. Give them some time. They don't understand how to shoot, but one day. One one day one day. So is it safe to chalk this up as another dub for the Cats? Yeah, dubs all around. Yeah. All right. So so far we have Nova at two and zero, and they will be taking that undefeated record up against probably the first big game of the season, the first real big game at the new Pavilion. I'm still not used to calling it the Finneran Pavilion. I still stumble when I bring up that name, but uh, it will be the wow Finneran Pavilion, new Pavilion, Pavilion. They are taking on the Michigan Wolverines, a rematch of last year's national championship game. There was some discontent of it being at the Pavilion and not being at the Wells Fargo Center. What were your guys' thoughts on that? Did you feel like people had something to be upset about, or was it just, this is really cool, we got to flex our new renovations on national TV? I think it's unfortunate to the extent that most people won't be able to go and see the game, but the the cruel reality is of it that you can't spend that much money on that arena and charge that much for season tickets and not have at least one marquee there, uh, one marquee game there, the you know, the opening season. So... I look at this as a bone thrown to people that are paying all this money to, you know, normally see games like Morgan State and DePaul. So to the extent this is just trying to to bring some energy in a game that, you know, actually matters to an arena that typically only sees games that don't, uh, I think it's probably a, a, a cruel necessity for this first year. Yeah, if this game was happening two years ago, this is at Wells Fargo. No, no issue about that. And it, it would have been nice because, you know, Michigan fans do travel pretty well. So if you did put this at Wells Fargo, it would have been nice to have like the little fan rivalry in the stands. Obviously, it'd be majority Villanova, but I think Michigan would have uh, would bring out some fans as well. So I, I'm okay with it being at the Pavilion. I, I don't really mind it as like a Villanova fan because obviously that's going to play to our advantage because Villanova is just so good at the Pavilion. But uh, it would have been cool as like a, just a college basketball fan to see this at uh, Wells Fargo. You definitely could have had more fans, but you know, eighty million dollars. You definitely have showed off on TV, and it looks beautiful. This is a rematch, but there are a lot of new faces, or I shouldn't say new faces, but we did lose some familiar faces from last year. What can we expect from this Wolverine squad? I mean, I think it, it all starts with John Beeline, and people say that about Villanova in terms of starting with Jay Wright, but you know, basically, they're going to come in with the same mindset that they came into the national championship game with. And you know, one of the things I had to go back uh, and look at some of the stats because I. Uh, I might have had a little bit to drink before I watched that game. So I had to actually go back and see what was actually going on. And so you you remember Dante DiVincenzo, obviously 31 points. You remember Villanova winning in comfortable fashion. But what Michigan likes to do, especially to teams like Villanova, is they want to chase you off the three-point line. They want to make you uncomfortable. They want to keep you off balance. They don't want you getting jumpers off. And that's sort of Villanova's bread and butter. So on paper, before that game, we were sort of wondering, like, you know, whose style is going to win out? If Michigan can make Villanova uncomfortable enough where they can't get into their offense, they're not making threes, you know, this game might be might be interesting. And I went back and looked at the stats, and Villanova made 10 out of 27 threes that night, which isn't a bad percentage on paper. It comes out to around 37%. But eight of those 10 threes were from Dante and Mikel. Dante had eight of them. So, or uh, Dante and Mikel had eight of them. Dante um, had five of those. So to the extent that they were pretty much succeeding in getting the majority of Villanova off the line uh, or off the three-point line, that that's sort of exactly what they did. I mean, Brunson went one for five, Pascal one for two, Omari 0 for two, Phil Booth 0 for three. I mean, Villanova was relatively uncomfortable behind the three-point line uh, for most of that game, you know, except for Dante and towards the end of the game uh, in the second half, Mikel. But 
I know there was other factors going on, obviously certain people in foul trouble, but you know, they sort of got what they wanted in that sense. So to the extent we're not going to have the same prolific shooting um, from this team, obviously um, last, last year was an all world offense basically. And we're, we're starting with a lot of new faces. I think Michigan can make this game uncomfortable for Villanova because I think Jay Wright, I mean, and, and I say this with the caveat that Jay Wright also has a game against Michigan recently under his belt as well, but you know, Michigan did some things right against Villanova in the national championship game. And I think when you're looking at um, new players, less experienced, less familiar with playing in the system, less familiar with this, you know, green light um, shoot up style. I, I think this game could be interesting. I don't know how, you know, I, it's hard for me to predict just because I, it's like I was saying to a few people, it's really hard for me to predict this team because we've basically only seen four players play extended minutes. So, you know, it's hard for me to predict how all these new players will um be able to pick up on things but but I think this game is going to be surprisingly close because I think Michigan is going to be able to make Villanova uncomfortable on offense and I don't think Villanova is going to be able to set things up as they are going to plan ahead and they might have to do some intense adjusting which can be which can be tough for new young players just sort of getting their sea legs oh especially in the beginning of that national championship game Villanova was very uncomfortable Michigan did a great job defensively of running them off the line as you said and it wasn't until Dante DiVincenzo had the game of his life, had that amazing championship performance off the bench, being that spark plug, that Villanova was actually able to get its footing on there and finally just turn the game around and just take off from there. Jay Wright has said that John Beeline is one of the toughest coaches he's got up against. With all these different players going into the going onto the floor and then all these newcomers, I could totally see that, but I do think Villanova should win this one. Chris, what say you? Yeah, I, I, look, I know, I understand Villanova lost a lot of players, but so did so did Michigan. I mean, Wagner leaving is pretty significant. And Catherine, you had mentioned that Michigan did a lot of good things in the first, uh, in the national championship against Villanova, and I think a lot of that had to do with Wagner being in there, especially mm-hmm. in the early par- part of that game. He was just absolutely eating us alive inside. I don't know if their new recruiting classes come in. They did bring in four four-star freshmen and a three-star freshman, and you have uh, Eli Brooks coming up through the ranks there, but I, I just I think the loss of Wagner and Abdul Rahman Robinson is just a little bit too much, especially for a team going on the road at, at the Pavilion. And uh, I'd like Villanova's chances in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think we're the better team, and, and sort of what we touched on before with some of these earlier matchups. Uh, you know, whether or not the game is a win or a loss, you're sort of going to be able to see uh, and learn some different things about the players and how they're all going to, um, I guess, sort of mesh together as the season goes along. And based on the fact that. Beeline has had some success planning against Villanova. I, I mean, they lost that game, but they did try to implement a few things, and, and a lot of it worked. Just another sort of game that we're going to learn a lot about the team from, I think. You know, if he starts chasing us off the line and Jay has to adjust, and the point guard, uh, you know, Quinterly has to adjust, and people have to sort of make, you know, snap decisions that may not be going into what the plan going into the game was, and the strategy is going to have to change, and, pe- and uh, different people are going to have to step up. I think that that is all going towards the trajectory of the team. And hopefully, you know, I hope that every game you play uh, and every coach you have to coach against, uh, you learn something and you maybe isolate a couple of weaknesses that need to be corrected. So how are we feeling for this game result-wise? I'll say I'll say a win, uh, but I do think it'll be close. I think it'll be a great game uh, and hopefully a nice way to truly open the pavilion. Yeah, I kind of see this going the, the way of the national championship. Close at first, and then I think just someone Philanova gets hot, and then they just kind of pull away. Your mouth to God's ears. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that, too. I'll be honest. I know that this is kind of being hyped as a national championship rematch, but I don't really think 
last year's national championship warranted a rematch. It's like when you watch a boxing match or you watch a UFC match and one guy just gets absolutely destroyed. I, I wouldn't want that to be a trilogy. I wouldn't want a rematch. But I guess that's just how I feel about this game. It is exciting, though. Don't get me wrong. To get a Power 5 conference opponent, Michigan, you get John Beeline in the house, it's going to be great. But I did not feel like this game warranted a rematch. Maybe a little bit of a hot take, maybe a little bit of being spoiled, but I would have liked to see Nova go up against a different Big Ten team for this Gavit game tip-off. Who did you want to see? I I just want to see Jay go versus Izzo. I think that's what I want to see. Definitely. So we all have wins for Nova, 3-0. We'll get to rest easy with the Advocare Invitational Appetizer and taking on the Furman Paladins. You guys know where Furman is? South Carolina, I think, right? That was that was pretty good. I actually had no idea going in. I, I think they're purple. They are purple. They are purple. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I, one girl from my high school went there. That's that's all I remember. <laughs> all joking aside, they're actually like somewhat legit in terms of like teams we we don't know anything about and never follow. I think they're going to be you know interesting. I I don't don't know if I'm not going to lose, but you know they're they're top 100 in adjusted offense last year, and they were just outside the 100 uh, in adjusted defense. They're very uh, efficient. They have a lot of experienced players. They're top 10 in the country in two-point efficiency last year. But their main challenge is they've lost a lot of seniors, three of them specifically. Um, they actually had this weird, if I'm remembering correctly, this like weird you know, three or four guard rotation, like similar to what Villanova used to have. But three of those players have actually now graduated. So they're not great shooters. A lot of people have graduated. They're going to have to sort of wait for new people to step up to shoulder a lot of this offense. But they do have one really good forward, uh, Matt Rafferty. And basically, they're just going to be shoveling the ball to him. Uh, and he's either going to be popping it out to a shooter or he's just going to be taking it to the hole himself. So I don't really think it's going to be difficult for Villanova to you know, plan for this. But the team does have a lot of good players. Uh, and they're disciplined and they're efficient. So this isn't going to be one of those like Mount St. Mary's games where you know Villanova's just watching people chuck and duck from you know 60 feet. This, I think, is going to be a very deliberate game. It might be ugly in the beginning, but... Uh, ultimately, I think Villanova pulls away, but uh, credit to Furman. They're actually a pretty pretty decent team uh, for that sort of tier. I think this year Furman's going to be a little offensively challenged, mm-hmm. but last year they were excellent on defense. They were one of the best in terms of defending the three-point line, and as we all know, that's where Nova makes most of its money. Mm-hmm. Um, they were top 25 in the NCAA in terms of shutting down opponents, holding them to just 32% from deep. So I could totally see this game being, as you said, an ugly start, but one of those things where Nova just pulls away eventually. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think this will be close. Like I said before, it might be ugly because I think Furman's disciplined enough to to keep it close for a little while. But once Villanova starts hitting shots and once Villanova's depth and, you know, just superior athletes sort of take over, um, I think they'll run away with this in the end. Sounds good to me. Heading undefeated down to Orlando for the Advocare Invitational. First up, they'll take on the Canisius Golden Griffins. We have some old-time history with them. Played each other in the 1955 NCAA Tournament East Regional Semis, where Canisius prevailed 73-71 to over Nova. That's probably the last time that'll probably ever happen again. And the teams haven't played each other since the 94 NIT. Cards of Villanova's history, look at that. Five <laughs> NCAA Tournament, the 94 NIT. <laughs> Good God. It's a Thanksgiving Day game. Will you guys be watching? 
we had the our game on Thanksgiving last year was Tennessee, right? Because I remember yeah, it was the Tennessee game. Yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving for a good two and a half hours, though it looks like going to be much of the same, which I don't necessarily mind. But yeah, I mean this this is interesting. I mean they actually sort of overachieved last year. They did better than a lot of people think. Um, Kinesis, but right now they're just too small. You're going to basically just have Isaiah Reese, who's their uh, who's their star guard. Basically, going to be trying to beat Villanova on his own. He's he's one of those players that you know he's got star power. He loves to shoot. He loves the ball in his hand. He's got a little bit of a flair. You know, I think this is going to be sort of one of those Colin Sexton type games where you know when the options run out, he's just going to try to take it to Villanova single handedly. And I just don't think it's going to be enough. I mean, they're not they're not a bad team. They play decent defense. You know, for their conference, but you know they're not going to be able to compete with Villanova. But you are going to see some pretty good guard play from Isaiah Reese. And I think that ultimately he's just not going to be enough to beat Villanova on his own. Yeah. With regards to their defense, they're actually at pretty good uh, as well from beyond the arc uh, held teams to 32% from deep as if they can at least replicate that. I think Villanova might struggle a little bit, but I think they'll take care of business pretty easily here. One of the top seeds in the, in the Mac uh, finished 15 and three in the conference. So yeah, they, they are a pretty good team, but yeah, they did lose Jermaine Crump- Crumpton who was uh, their leading scorer last year. And now it's just pretty much Reese. So I think Villanova starts off this uh, tournament with a win. I think I read they were supposed to finish like ninth or 10th in their conference and they ended up finishing as like one of the top seeds. So a lot of people definitely um, overachieved and, but you, like you just said, they've lost, they lost a lot of players and they're also just very small, which, which is strange, not so much, not strange, but you know, a strange thing to try to predict how Villanova will deal with that because we don't usually yield that traditional big lineup either. So it could be interesting in that regard, but yeah, I don't really think this game's going to be close either. Yeah. One thing that I'm looking forward to is just, Seeing Nova get off to a hot start in their non-conference tournament, I remember with Battle for Atlantis last year, it just seemed like it was the Mikhail Bridges-Dante DiVincenzo tournament, and everyone else was just kind of struggling or still getting their feet under them. So I'm kind of hoping to see Nova just a hotter start all across the board. Let's not get into grinded out matches with the likes of Western Kentucky and Tennessee. Let's just take it to our opponents. Yeah, and I mean, these tournaments are always fun because basically when they end, there's always this, you know, weird trophy presentation and it's the middle of November and you're celebrating winning some, you know, obscure tournament in some backwoods town or some weird island. So, you know, to the extent that these tournaments actually prepare us for conference schedule once it starts up, I'll take it. But I don't really enjoy the the drama, as you said, of, of sort of playing these close games against some of these smaller opponents who would like nothing more to basically make their season, which is why, you know, the Isaiah Reese that I referenced before, I mean, he's just one of these players that's going to be, you know, looking to try to make those highlight plays. And I don't think it'll be enough, but, you know, he's going to be one that I I think could cause some problems for Villanova a little bit early before uh, they truly try to contain him. What was that weird sponsor we had last year in that tournament? Bad boy mowers. The lawnmower (laughs) one? Yeah, that kind of just takes away like from any seriousness of like the trophy celebration. I feel like, but it's like bowl games where you're in, like, yeah, something. It's just horrendous. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, presented by like GoDaddy.com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. eBay. When they have like multiple ones together, I like the uh, Gaylord Hotel Music City Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> it's just can't even keep track. Do we have Nova advancing to the next round? Yeah. Yep. Great. I was not expecting any problems there. In the semifinals, Nova can either take Oklahoma State, 
or Memphis. And these are some two pretty interesting teams. I mean, just looking at Oklahoma State last year, that was upset city. But it was also the team that would one day beat Kansas, sweep them during the regular season, beat West Virginia at Morgantown, and then the next day they'll lose to the likes of Iowa State. Just made no sense. But they were a scary team in that big upset potential, but also the letdown uh, two days later. And then in Memphis, you have Penny Hardaway, who's making his coaching debut. What do you guys think of either team, and who do you think we'll see? With regards to Oklahoma State, that was like the one team everybody was clamoring to get in last year. But, you know, you just got you got to put Syracuse in there because, you know, tradition and all that stuff. <laughs> but they swept Kansas last year, and that was in the second half of the year. So they, they, they obviously – Virginia and Texas Tech as well. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. We call that, we call that pulling a Nova. Yeah, they were freaking fantastic at the end of last year, and they couldn't get into the tournament. So if we do see them, it would be a little scary on that regard. And then with Memphis, current rendition, like it's okay. I mean, I think pretty much the most notable thing is Penny Hardaway as their coach. And I think they're also going after like the number one recruit next year. I forget the kid's name. Wiseman. Yeah, yeah, that's what James I mean. Wiseman. Wiseman he played AAU with Penny. That was like the. Uh, I believe the like <laughs> ulterior motive in also hiring him to be the coach is they thought he could bring him in. Oh, well, I didn't even realize Something that. Along those lines. So, yeah, that's why I think of those teams. I, I think we end up seeing uh, Oklahoma State, though. Yeah, I mean, my read on Oklahoma State this year, I mean, they're they're interesting. So they got the Lamont Evans, uh, the assistant with the FBI investigation going on linked to Oklahoma State. They lost a ton of players. They have one good transfer coming in, Mike Weathers. He's from Miami of Ohio, and he was a freshman of the year in the MAC two years ago, and then he sat out last year, but he's eligible to play against this year. Oh, in general, I think they're just, they don't have enough talent to really make it anywhere in the Big 12. I mean, like you said last year, they, they had a couple of upsets, didn't make the tournament. I don't think that's going to happen again this year. I think they're going to end up getting crushed in the Big 12. Um, I just don't think they're going to be that good. And with Memphis, Memphis is interesting. So last year you had, you know, Tubby Smith fired, but part of the reason was, I mean, obviously they, the biggest criticism was he couldn't recruit in Memphis. But beyond that, the team couldn't shoot from deep. They played so slow. It was just basically ugly basketball that, you know, the fans or whoever, you know, were taking absolutely no enjoyment. And it was just slow and unimaginative and gross. But now you're bringing in Penny Hardaway. They're tabbed right now at 161 in Ken Palm, obviously, at the beginning of the season. But, you know, they're known for turnovers. They don't play great defense. But you're basically having Penny come in who's never coached before. So there's a lot of unknowns in terms of like what he's going to be able to do with Tubby's personnel that he has right there right now. He's the two brothers, the Lawson brothers left a year and a half ago and transferred to Kansas. We'll touch on them later because they're actually eligible to play this year. But there's actually some attrition um, from Memphis recently. And, you know, Penny's still trying to build up the stable of guys that he wants. But basically, he's still got Tubby's guys right now. And it'll be interesting to see what Penny can actually do and what style of basketball he's going to want to try to play. Because one, He's never coached before, and two, he's limited by the guys that are already there. I don't think Memphis is going to have a good year. Memphis is, you know, a year or two away from this matchup being interesting. I think we touched on it earlier this week on the blog um, in terms of the tournament. I'm blanking on it next year in Myrtle Beach. There's a potential we can match up with Memphis again, I think. You know, when Memphis gets in these new prospects that Penny's, uh, Penny's bringing in, then this game will be interesting. But this year, they just they still have Tubby's guys. They don't have a lot of great players. You know, Penny's still going to have learning, uh, you know, a learning curve with his first year at the coach. I think Oklahoma State 
probably pulls this out, but neither team really scares me. I, I just think both of them are in for a rough season. Yeah, great point on Tubby Smith. I got to catch a few minutes of Memphis last year, and I forgot what non-conference tournament, but they put you to sleep on offense. And they were a lot like Virginia, except without the defense, so that just makes them terrible. (laughs) And it was just rough to watch and how slow they were going, and they couldn't stop anyone from deep, nor could they shoot it. I'm not scared for either team. I think Nova should make its way to the finals of the Advocare Invitational, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way too. Yeah. Great. Yeah, regardless of who it is, uh, I think they're fine. So in the finals, Nova can either take on UAB, which graduated two of its top three scorers. It does bring back a promising sophomore in Zach Bryant, who was great as a freshman last year, or could take on Charleston, who had an excellent season, made it to the NCAA tournament. Two of its top three players, Grant Riller and Jarrell Brantley, are back from that 26-8 and squad. Then you got LSU, who had that loaded 2018 class led by Nas Reed, a.k.a. Big Jelly, Javon Cornerly's AAU teammate and old rival in the New Jersey Catholic Schools League. I forgot what it's called. I'm blanking on it. And it also has Tremont Waters, who's just one of the top point guards around in the country. Sophomore, he's appeared in some NCAA preseason All-American teams. And a lot of people think he's going to take a big jump this year. And there's Florida State, who reached Elite Eight last year, upset Xavier. They have a few seniors back from that team. Who do you think we'll see? How do you think that other side of the bracket just plays out? You know, this is a toss-up for me because I think LSU has obviously the best raw talent there. But honestly, I just think Florida State's a better team. So if I had to pick who I think is going to come out of those four teams, I'd have to say Florida State. But you know, not to put everyone to sleep. I'll just highlight a couple of interesting things about these teams. So Florida State, they they play great defense. They're big and long. They like to press. Um, but on offense, they're incredibly fast. They have the fat. They had the fastest tempo in the ACC last year. So that's sort of a um, a challenge for Villanova on both sides of the ball. So you know that that I think is to be the toughest game for Villanova, only because you know getting breaking a press, especially with freshman point guard and trying to you know. I guess, decipher who's actually going to be the primary ball handler trying to break the press. I mean, our team last year had trouble breaking the press at times, you know, and four of those guys went to the NBA. So I think dealing with the press could be a struggle for Villanova. And, you know, fast tempo, that that's also can catch teams off guard. I mean, Villanova last year sort of feasted when teams did that just because they were so efficient on offense. But, you know, unless unless we're seeing that from the team this year, that could be a trouble. That could be trouble. UAB, not much to say. They have eight new players this year, which I thought was insane. They're probably a year or so away from really doing anything in their conference. But... They like to move the ball. They like to create open shots, but you know they just don't have the talent, and they're going to be dealing with uh, a lot of personnel issues in terms of new eight new people coming in. Charleston, Charleston, Charleston's one of those teams, sort of like Furman, better than people think. They're going to compete for the um, title in um, the Colonial Athletic League this year. They had the best per percentage offense in the conference last year. Usually pretty good on D, but they're they're solid, and they have actually a pretty decent offense. So I don't think it'll be a problem for Villanova, but in terms of maybe mid-major teams to keep an eye on uh, as we go towards the tournament. Charleston could definitely make a run. I believe they lost to Auburn or someone last year. I forget. But LSU. So LSU is an interesting, an interesting team here. So they're also coming in with a little bit of the FBI stink around them. Their coach, Will Wade, was implicated in a number of text messages during the testimony in the trial last week or two weeks ago. But they do have a fifth best recruiting class coming in. They've got Tremont Waters already there. They've got Devontae Smart, who's the number eight point guard in the class of 2018. They've got two JUCO prospects coming in, 17th ranked one and the 26th ranked one. Uh, one's a point guard and one's a wing. So, you know, they're just bringing in so much more talent. So it's it's easy to see that 
you know, a team like LSU could get hot against really any of these four teams and make it out of the bracket. I think Florida State has the edge. They're a little bit more experienced, uh, and they sort of got their systems on either side of the ball already in place. It'll be interesting to see how Will Wade uses this talent. I mean, Nas Reed is a beast, and I think him going up against Quinn Early would be awesome to watch. I just don't know if this early in the season, LSU is going to be able to sort of put all those pieces together to beat a team as solid as I think Florida State is uh, is going to be at least early in the season. Yeah, we saw how good Florida State was last year with uh, knocking off Xavier in the uh, round of 32. And then I believe they did they yeah, and they made, made the Elite Eight last year. Yeah. So obviously – and with the seniors returning, I think they're probably the obvious favorite. But I'm going to go with LSU coming out of this half of the bracket. And I, I really don't have a good explanation. I just want to see Jelly on Jelly. Uh, <laughs> that's really – I just I didn't even realize Naz's read nickname was Big Jelly. I knew he was teammates with uh, Quinterly, but I, I had no idea his nickname was Big Jelly. And now because of that, I just want to hear the announcers figure that out, and then they talk about it for the next 20 minutes. So I'm looking forward to that potential matchup. I like LSU, though, because I, I like – as a fan, I would just like to see, the, like you said, raw, they have pure raw talent, and I want, to see, I want to see Waters in action. I want to see Reed in action. I want to see their, their whole class in action. And I, I feel like with UAB, they're just not that interesting. And Charleston, we just can't seem to escape them because uh, – we were in that tournament a couple of years ago. So now I think we're locked at the hip with them. Florida State, we, we know what they're about. I just want to kind of see LSU in the final. I mean, LSU's new pieces alone going up against our new pieces would be, you know, I think just a, a really exciting game to watch. Oh, yeah. My mind says Florida State just because over the last couple of years, they have really turned it around defensively and just on offense. Just They just have all these athletic players that – just buy into the system, and they've been very excellent defensively, but my heart says LSU. I really want to see all these new players go against each other, all these talents. But the problem with these tournaments, these non-conference tournaments, is that they never go as planned. They never, You never really get to see the chalk versus chalk. Yeah, exactly. There's always one thing that goes wrong. Who was the other team in that? Oh, Purdue. Purdue, Purdue, yeah. Purdue got knocked out as well. Yeah, they lost to Tennessee. Yeah. But Tennessee actually ended up being a pretty decent win for us. They did. They did. But, yeah, it wasn't exactly the excitement we were hoping for. So does Nova walk out with the Advocare Invitational title? I say yes. It's tough. But, yeah, I think they probably do. Um, it would probably depend on who they're playing, obviously. But, yeah, I think if I think if they face Florida State, they can still pull it out. Yeah, I think they're fine. I mean, yeah, obviously Florida State would pose a bit of a problem there. But I think they'll win the thing, the whole thing. So Nova comes back to Pennsylvania December 1st. They will take on the LaSalle Explorers. They're heading over to Tom Golo Arena where they will meet another former assistant in Ashley Howard, who is now the head coach over at LaSalle, taking over for the Dr. John Giannini. It was just a bad year last year for LaSalle. 13-19 overall, 7-11 in the A-10. And it's just been a tough stretch for the Explorers who had that really promising 2013 run and that NCAA Sweet 16 appearance. But since then, they just haven't been able to come close to just replicating that success. What can we expect from the Explorers? And how excited are you guys to see Ash as a head coach? I mean, it's interesting that we're playing him, uh, obviously, in the same you know sort of stretch where we're going to also see Baker sort of pre-conference uh, these non-con games. But, I mean, if we know anything about LaSalle, it's LaSalle can't shoot. They've never been able to shoot. Uh, they're very tiny. Uh, it feels like Pookie Powell's been playing for a hundred years. Yeah, I mean, I don't like I said with 
with Baker Dunleavy, this is the type of thing where where these new coaches are going to try to implement their systems, which is you know all well and good, but until they sort of have the personnel to do so, I think it's going to be a struggle. And I'm assuming you know Ashley Howard's going to try to do something similar that that Villanova did, and similar to what Baker Dunleavy did to do, and in these smaller conferences, sort of try to to beat people from the outside and sort of spread out the offense. But you know they just don't have the players to do it right now. So I mean LaSalle's never been able to shoot, but I you know I just don't think. Howard's going to have much luck this year. I really think it's going to be a rough year for them uh, in conference. I don't really see them competing for anything, but I think it'll be nice to see him. I think it'll be one of those opportunities similar to the Quinnipiac game where you see sort of the little things that Jay's system does as they slowly start to get implemented in these other systems. Uh, it's just interesting to watch and sort of see how the matchup plays out. The last time we went there, it was a, it was a pretty rough game, and that, that, that came out of nowhere. I was – not expecting a competitive game a couple of years ago, and yeah. they, they that I went right down to the wire. So that was pretty scary. But yeah, I'm I'm just happy to see Pookie Powell for another year. I think they'll be all right. They, Ashley Howard, I'm happy that he was able to finally get his full time gig because I know he was looking for that for a while. We'll see with uh, how he develops that program, but I don't. I don't see much of a competitive game here. Powell has played very well against Nova last year. He didn't really shoot well, but two years ago he was dominant and was part of the reason why the LaSalle Explorers were just so close to toppling Nova at Tom Golo Arena. But last year, even though he wasn't shooting well, he was contributing almost everywhere else. He finished in double digits, had about six rebounds, five assists, so he had a very productive outing. I just don't think there's enough from LaSalle here. They don't really shoot well. They do bring in Chetty Mosley, who was a grad transfer, who averaged a solid 13 points per game as a sophomore before he battled the string of injuries that have kept him sidelined for the last couple of years. So he's a wild card. It is the first year for Ashley Howard. And unfortunately, I don't think this is going to be a fun time for him going up against his former team. Yeah. And I mean, also when you look at, um, who's he replacing? Um, the doctor, Giannini, like the, you just watch the way they played last year and it just can't be, you know, the sort of system that they have where, you know, one guy takes over, they try to get it inside. They weren't great from outside. I mean, those are the types of things that you don't associate with Villanova and sort of what a Villanova assistant's going to be trying to do, you know, in his first few years of coaching. So I think you're going to see something similar to um, Baker Dunleavy last year where he's just sort of making the best of what he has. But, you know, it's going to be ugly for a while because the players aren't really built for the system he's trying to implement. Say to say Nova wins its first big five game of the year? Yes. Yes, sir. And still rolling undefeated. <laughs> I'm not pick the first loss somewhere. I got to look at the list and just pick one. <laughs> Confidence is high. The first loss will probably not come in this next one, unless if I just jinxed it just now. But Nova will take on the Temple Owls. It will be the first home game at the new pavilion. The Owls, they just have so much. There's so many storylines going on with it. Just between Fran Dunphy just getting forced out and then them saying, oh, wait, JK, come back to coach one more year before we give it to your assistant, Aaron McKee. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably torn the locker room a little bit. And it still has Quentin Rose, Shizalston Jr. But I just don't think that this Temple team will be much of a threat. Yeah, I mean, they were sub-230 in field goal percentage last year. Like, just let that sink in in terms of a, a major conference team. They take a lot of bad shots. They don't get a lot of rebounds. But, you know, all that being considered, the defense wasn't terrible. They play decent perimeter defense, and they do take care of the ball on offense. So... You know, there are some fundamentals there, but similar to LaSalle, they're just, they're not great shooters. So to the extent that Villanova can, you know, just make shots, this shouldn't be close either. But 
you know, obviously anything can happen, especially these big five games. You see a lot of these teams just sort of playing out of their mind and getting up for the game. Uh, the Dunphy stuff is bizarre. And just in general, you do have a little bit of uh, turnover. But, yeah, I mean, we, we know what this team is. They're similar to what they were last year. But, yeah, I don't see this being close either so long as Villanova basically, you know, is playing their average because the Temple's not going to be able to outshoot Nova. They don't take a lot of great shots. They don't make any shots. Uh, and they never get rebounds. So it's one and done for them. So I don't see this game being close either. Yeah, especially first Big Five game at the new Pavilion. So hopefully they're able to christen it with a W. And but just another player to keep your eye on besides Rose and Alston Jr. is Nathaniel Pierre Rose. He was a young talent for them that came on strong when he was inserted into the rotation uh, midway through the season. So at least they kind of have like a little three-headed monster there. But it's it's really not all that all that great. Despite you know last year they did end up in the NIT uh, event, lost to Penn State. Uh, I'm, I'm not expecting all great things from them. Pretty average team especially in the A-10, they, I think Villanova takes care of business. Just moving along with the Big Five, Nova will take on the St. Joseph's Hawks. They just haven't been the same since Halil Kanasevich flipped off the entire student section. Can we just be honest here? <laughs> That's a hot take. Like it. Yeah, okay, I'll give them that one tournament year where they had DeAndre Bembry and a couple other guys, and they were pretty good, and we almost had that matchup against them, except oh, they lost to Iowa. Since then, they've just been horribly average. Last year, they were just 16 and 16, 10 and 8 in A10 play. I just think the Hawk is dead. And I guess we're just going to have to remind them again because that's, that's what it's become in recent years. Just reminding them that the Hawk is dead. Yeah, I mean, they had a, a tough year last year. They had a lot of their players injury, uh, injured. Kimball and Brown uh, were out for an extended period of time. They're actually both out for the Nova game. They're back this year. But last year, obviously, Nova blew them out by 40. Uh, Nova was shooting insane I think it was something like 55% from three I mean they had no shot but that's sort of why St. Joe's isn't a great matchup for Villanova Martelli and the defense he tries to you know basically put in front of Villanova just baits Villanova into doing exactly what they want to do which is moving the ball creating open shots and shooting jumpers and when you look at what they do on offense they're not great shooters either and I sound like a broken record but when you look at these um you know, shooting percentages from these teams, you just sort of see that no wonder they get buried because when St. Joe's is baiting Villanova into shooting threes, which Villanova will gladly do, and then not making any shots on the other end, that's why they're consistently buried by Nova. I mean, it was 40 points last year. I think it was 30 the year before. You know, I don't think Nova's offense, is, I, not that I don't think, I know Nova's offense isn't going to be as prolific as it was last year. I do think St. Joe's could close the gap a little bit because they are going to be having uh, like Kimball and Brown back who missed the Villanova game last year. And just, I can't recall, I mean, I'm trying to remember some other names, but I mean, they had a lot of other injuries last year too. Regardless, I think Nova wins this game comfortably. But yeah, I mean, St. Joe's is just not a great uh, matchup in terms of their, you know, defensive philosophy and their abilities on offense. I mean, it's just basically a, a prime matchup for Villanova and Villanova basically can have their way with them. Yeah, it just feels that like every time these teams match up, it's a, Impending blowouts about to happen. With regards to the Hawks, I mean, they got Taylor Funk returning at least. He's he's okay. Averaged just under 12 points a game. Shot pretty well from deep with 39% last year. But yeah, with regards to Kimball, what what were the injuries he had? Like, he had, like, fractured foot twice in, like, a 10-month span or something like that? It it was pretty crazy. Like, I don't know if, like, a guy like that could return from a foot injury and, and even try to be half the player as he was before. I mean, I hope he is for his sake, but, I mean, that's a pretty tough injury to come back from. Mm-hmm. And even though Funk was a promising freshman last year, he had a really hot start to begin that 2017-18 campaign, but then really just tempered off going along the season. 
I just don't think St. Joe's has enough here to even pose a threat. And I guess it's safe to say it's another win for Nova and probably another Big Five title. Definitely. So they'll close up Big Five play against the UPenn Quakers, taking them on on December 11th. They were the Ivy League champs, and last year I totally picked them to upset Kansas in my bracket. I don't know about you guys, but I did. Poor one. (laughs) I remember for like the 20 minutes, everyone was like, it's happening, it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't do it by any logic. I just did it for like my sister's sake. She goes to Penn, and I was like, you know what? I, I read that this is like statistically, this would be the best 16 pick ever. And went with it. And fortunately, it was not them. It was a different one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Penn, Penn's decent. I mean, they're, they're a great shooting team. They were uh, top 100 in shooting percentage. Uh, and they play really solid and smart defense. They basically, you know, sit right behind the three-point line. Uh, and they ranked second in the country last year in three-point defense to the extent that you believe uh, that such defense exists. But they, they shoot a lot of threes. They're not a very big team, so they basically um, – struggle in terms of like getting boards but if they're hitting threes they're they're pretty efficient on offense and i think that that's why you see uh how a team like that can hang with you know one seed like kansas for 20 minutes you know they don't they don't make mistakes they're experienced they're disciplined and they're efficient so you know until the talent sort of started to um win the day you could see how a team like penn can stick with uh superior teams for a while and penn penn's legit you know i think that in terms of big five matchups this is i don't you know i don't want to say that any of these are going to be particularly interesting but but penn's a legit team uh, and they've been competing in the ivy league for basically the past two or three years as one of the you know actual big threats and you know you saw in their tournament game last year you know crazy things can happen so i think penn is a team to be taken seriously i don't think they'll beat villanova but it's definitely one of those games where jay's gonna have to sort of keep people focused because penn just doesn't beat themselves i think you just beat them you know you beat them as the game goes along you have superior athletes and you sort of just have to pull it out but but penn's a smart team they're experienced they're not going to be the types of teams that villanova is just going to be able to you know blow out from the first whistle yeah i think this year and next year penn will be very solid i felt like last year they were just a little young they were just a little inexperienced, and now after a successful season last year, who knows what they can bring to the table this year? Yeah, especially when you got your top two scorings in, in uh, Betley and Brodor returning, so they should look to improve and probably sh- should win the Ivy League again. I would think. I don't know. Harvard looks pretty legit, and I think they signed a couple other four-star talents. They're just miraculously getting all these basketball talents to come and play. I don't know how or why. Didn't they have a good recruiting class a couple years ago too? Like it, they just had like a bunch of like low like low 100 guys like like in the 90s i don't know they, they always seem to have like a weird really good recruiting class every now and then yeah they they had i think three top 100 guys a couple years back and then last week they signed a new york kid i forgot his name but he was four stars so they're just getting all these talents to come and play so big five sweet for nova is pretty much what we have on the menu here at least that's what we're predicting and after that this is a pretty interesting stretch you have the big five back to back to back to back and we don't have the random one that's just lingering in the middle of conference play we couldn't just do all five games in one night why, why not right Efficient. little willie marathon just to see the dedicated fans to bring back the old big five mentality mm-hmm. so after big five play it's the big one it's nova versus the preseason number one the kansas jayhawks now only two teams in the last decade have gone into the fog in non-conference play, and beat the Jayhawks. In 2013, it was the San Diego State 
Aztecs, and then last year was Arizona State. Does this scare you guys? Do you think Nova can go into the fog, come out with a win, and continue their recent dominance over Bill Self and his boys? I'm terrified. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think they'll do all right there. Like I, I actually think they'll make it a game. It's just that the, the young team at, at the fog, like I can already see like guys missing assignments left and right because it's too loud or something. They can't communicate on the floor. And then it'll be just like a great teaching moment for Jay. And, you know, you maybe you take the L here and it pays off in the long run. But like I can just I just have like those visions in my head where it's just like the freshmen are missing assignments along the three point line and they're just hitting three after three after three kind of as like a revenge for last year. But I, I don't think it's going to be an absolute blowout like some people are kind of billing this to be. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I sort of was thinking, you know, this will just be something we're going to have to take on the chin. You know, I would have loved to have gone to see, you know, last year's team play in Kansas. But, you know, this isn't just you know, we're sort of in a I don't want to say a rebuilding year because the talent's obviously still there. But, you know, this is sort of a year where we're waiting to see what happens. So it's hard to sort of predict. What I'll say is that, you know, Kansas obviously returns, uh, you know, Azubuki. They have uh, LaGerald Vick back. But, you know, a lot of the hype surrounding Kansas this year as the number one is is also based on some of their new faces. So they've got uh, Grimes and Dotson. Those are the two um, five-star freshmen coming in. Uh, it's basically a one-two, you know, point guard, shooting guard uh, type of combo deal. Uh, and they're legit. They like to play fast. They're quick. They're versatile. Uh, and then they've got the transfers from Memphis, uh, the Lawson brothers. Uh, one's a junior and one's a sophomore, I believe. They both sat out last year. And they're supposed to sort of help on the rebounding end. Because if you'll recall last year, basically when, when Kansas, you know, lost at the fog and everyone said, you know, the sky was falling and they were losing, you know, games in conference, which was unheard of. The criticism of Kansas was that they weren't very well-rounded. They didn't really have anything down low except for Azubuki. So, you know, to the extent they've tried to solve that problem by bringing in, you know, some of the rebounders from Memphis, who, the, I, I don't know if I have their stats, but they... I don't have it here, but I think they were at both averaging like double digits and rebounds during the, the years that they played in Memphis. So, you know, this was done to sort of rectify what was seen as a weakness for Kansas. So I think the teams actually in the long run over the course of the season might be more well-rounded than the Kansas team last year, which we were sort of able to exploit, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I think the the unknown here is like you think about Villanova's new faces and young team going into the fog and playing at the fog, and that's all you know, well and good and intimidating and something that you take into consideration when trying to figure out how this game is going to go. But there's a lot of unknowns for Kansas as well. So you know, for every Azubuke and LeGerald Vic, we have Booth, we have Pascal, and then you just sort of got new faces that you got to wait to see how they do. So to the extent that you know we're playing an experienced Kansas team in the fog who you know, have all collectively won three Big 12 titles, you know, in the last three years. That's not what we're going into play. So they're obviously preseason number one. The talent is there. That's why it's picked to be that way. But, you know, there's just as many unknowns for them as there are for us. So I think this could be an interesting game. My gut tells me Villanova's not going to be able to pull it out, which, you know, just happens. It's a tough place to play. Uh, and, the, you know, this early in the season, it's going to be tough. But, you know, who knows? I, I think people are – sort of buying into the Kansas mystique a little bit more than they should because, you know, a lot of these players have yet to play for Kansas and we'll see how it goes. And, you know, they could be immediate different makers. They could take a season to get ready. This, the, you know, the team could be struggling last year at this time, just like it was. So I don't know. I, I think it's sort of a, a toss up. I, I think I'd probably have to say Kansas pulls it out just because of the hype surrounding the team and the revenge factor and the fact that it's at the fog and all that. But 
yeah, you know, I wouldn't sleep on Nova surprising them either because I, I do think both teams are, are going to have a little bit of a learning curve at the beginning of the season, and who knows, maybe Nova sneaks it out. I think one thing that I would like to watch for in this matchup is that there's no Omar Spellman this time around. And I had not seen such a big talent like Azubuki just get completely negated because his matchup, Spellman, was able to drain threes, stretch to the floor, and because of that, because he couldn't defend the perimeter, they had to take him out and put in the younger freshman Silvio D'Souza to try to match up with Spellman. And that just, by at that point, Villanova had a field day and Azubuki barely did anything outside of the first play of the game when he got the ball off the opening tip and just dunked it. Mm-hmm. So I think no Spellman around will make it a lot more interesting because I think we'll finally get to see what Azubuki is able to do against Nova. Unless if DCR just grows the three point shot at some point. In the <laughs> well, do you think do you think Pascal will kind of be able to fill that role a bit? Maybe Jay goes a little smaller and kind of sticks him at the five and is able to stretch him out just to neutralize him, or do you do you kind of see them going with DCR in the center there? I mean, obviously we don't know the starting lineup yet, but yeah, we don't know the starting lineup yet. But I have a feeling Jay's gonna stick to just having his once he has his five, it's his five. Until anything drastic, bad, or bad happens, right? And I, and I think that five includes DCR, at least in my yeah. personal opinion. We haven't seen yet, but I think that five is DCR. That's true. And I, I guess with regards to like what I was saying before, with like you know, like young team in the fog and losing like assignments and whatever. I guess, I guess the the silver lining to that is that this game is in December, so you do have a, like a month plus to like kind of get acclimated. And I understand that goes both ways. Like Catherine was saying, Kansas has a pretty young team as well, or a fresh face team as well. So I understand that. So like, I, maybe it, I'm kind of overhyping that missed assignment bit a little bit, but I, I, it's still, it's still a bit scary. Uh, but I, I do think, I think they'll make this a close game. I think they'll play better than what most people are expecting. I think the rankings hold true to by the time this game happens. I don't think Kansas slips that much and I don't think Villanova falls or and maybe probably rises a bit. So I, I see this being close, but I'm, I just, I have a hard time picking Villanova to win this one. This was definitely one of those games for me where I thought Nova was going to win going in. Before even doing any previews, before even writing anything, before even putting together the show or the outline or the rundown, just my gut was like, I think Nova will win. I don't think it was going to be a blowout by any means. I, did not ex- I do not expect them to replicate last year's performance in, if they were to win. But then it became one of those things where the more I read, the more I looked into it, the more stats I looked at, the more video highlights I consumed. I was like, uh, no, actually, I think I changed my mind. I think Kansas is actually going to win this one. And I think this will be Nova's first loss of the season. I can see it happening. Them winning? No, Nova losing. But, I mean, there's a lot going on with Kansas right now. There's a lot going on with Bill Self. There's a lot going on with their players. There's a lot going on in terms of welcoming new faces. So I just think there's a lot more variables for Kansas than maybe people are thinking of. I don't think that means Villanova pulls it out. But weird, you know, stranger things have happened. (laughs) So, you know, Kansas could be a dumpster fire the first two months of the season. I mean, we just don't know. Those things are sort of unpredictable when you're trying to waiting, you're, you know, waiting to see how these people fit in. I don't think that will be the case, but stranger things have happened. It it sounds like a cop out. I think Nova probably loses, but I will not be remotely surprised if they win, because to be honest, I think this is, this could be a toss up. If San Diego State could do it in 2013, Nova can do it in 2018.
That's what I've always said. If you look at that box score, there are zero recognizable names on the Aztec side. <laughs> Led by the great effort of Skylar Spencer and Xavier Thames. Or Tims. Oh, God. Those sound like big generated names. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Wiggins was a non-factor in that game. For anyone who doesn't decide to look back at it. Good God. So last but not least, after Kansas, Nova will play the Yukon Huskies. The second game of a three-game series, this will be at MSG before it'll come back to the Wells Fargo Center next year. There's a little bit of a shakeup in terms of UConn. There's no more Kevin Ollie, who made literally his life fortune off of one NCAA tournament run. Falling ass backwards into a national championship. <laughs> Riding the magic of one point guard and yeah. all of his friends. The UConn way. They have Dan Hurley now who will replace Ollie, which I think is a pretty good hire for them. But between him and Jalen Adams, who is a very talented point guard, I just don't see UConn doing it. I, I don't know if it's going to be a bloodbath like last year at the XL Center in Hartford, but I just don't see Nova losing this game. Yeah, I was at that game in Hartford last year, and it was basically, you know, it had about the energy of a wake. People at UConn were just like dead behind the eyes. Uh, all they were talking about was the women's team. Uh, we were actually at a bar before the game and people asked what we were doing. And I said, we're going to the game. And someone responded, the woman's team isn't playing. And we were like, well, the men's team is playing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this one's great program is definitely struggling right now. I don't know if you follow the UConn accounts on Twitter. They are hysterical. They're dying to, to do something in terms of maybe conference realignment. They're tired of playing Tulsa and Memphis and UCF and all those teams. So I think this game will be closer than last year. I mean, last year was just dismal for uh, UConn. I mean, last year in general, they couldn't get up any shots. Uh, I think I have, they were 315th in effective field goal percentage, which is outrageous. It, it's almost unbelievable. Uh, but up against a team like Villanova, they didn't stand a chance uh, and they knew it. And the season was basically a wash. So, I mean, I think that this is going to be Definitely have a little bit more energy because you've got Dan Hurley. You've got the game at MSG. The game's going to be packed with Villanova and UConn fans. I mean, we went to, um, was it the the Jimmy V Classic last year? UConn played Syracuse and it was packed. So UConn travels well, especially in the city. I think this game is going to be an incredible atmosphere, which would be a nice early test for some of the tough, uh, I mean, this obviously coming on the heels of the fog. I mean, those are two baptism by fires in terms of atmosphere for this young team. So I think those are great warmups before conference play begins. But like you said, I don't think UConn has the talent yet to really challenge Villanova. There's definitely something weird going on with Jalen Adams. I, got, I don't know if you guys saw the article that he was held out of their scrimmage and he's held out of their exhibition game. I don't know if he's gotten on the bad side of Dan Hurley. Dan Hurley had some comments about, you know, when the best player on the team doesn't abide by the rules, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there's definitely a little drama there, which could be exciting. But yeah, I think Villanova pulls this out. Uh, just sort of an aside, I don't know if you guys know this, but do you have any idea when tickets for that game are going to go on sale? Because everyone's been looking and StubHub and, you know, all the secondary sites where I just assume I'm going to have to buy them have like 26 tickets listed. Yeah, I've noticed that with all games, too. Not just that game, like literally every game for some reason. And it's only three sections. It's not even yeah, spread across. Yeah. Like, have they not released the tickets or they haven't gone on sale yet? I can't figure it out. Yeah, I have no idea. I've been trying to look yeah. since a couple weeks ago and I, no success. 
Yeah, all right. So I guess we'll keep our eyes out for that. But yeah, I think Villanova wins this game. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. I think it'll be closer than last year. UConn's sort of on the up and up. But yeah, I mean, I've been seeing like tweets and stuff about how UConn fans are looking at this as like their this three game series with Nova as their little audition to try to get back into the Big East. I don't really think they're going to have to do much convincing if that actually is on the table. But they're excited for this game. The fans are going to come out. Uh, I think it's going to be great. But Villanova wraps up non-con play with another win. Yeah, for sure. This should definitely be a fun one, especially in MSG. Villanova's second home court, basically. But with regards to personnel, I mean, another guy to watch out for is Christian Vital. Much-needed scoring punch to supplement Adams because he was basically a one-man show. 6-2 guard, but he also led the team in rebounding uh, last year with just about five and a half points per game. And then Altariq Gilbert, former top 35 recruit coming out of high school. He's been a little, he's been uh, a victim of the injury bug lately. But uh, you should be healthy for this year. Solid defender, all-around guard. And then as a team last year, they another terrible shooting team. Tied for 299th in three-point field goal percentage. Oh so only to, uh, only way is to go up from there. So maybe they can improve on that, but who the heck knows? They're, they're, they've been, uh, they were pretty bad last year. Yeah, Catherine, I don't know how that game was packed last year with Syracuse. I, I was... I just couldn't believe that people were there to stomach that game too. There were so many bricks. They're they're dying of boredom. They had to get there. So I mean, that's that's one of the things you're seeing. These sort of desperate UConn fans just trying to hang on to something. So I know I know they'll come out to that game uh, against Villanova. There's a ton of them here, so I think it'll be fun. But yeah, and they got a, they got a couple of years ago before they're back competing. But I mean, obviously their conference, they can make some strides with just a couple of, you know, extra players and, and Dan Hurley having his hands on the program for a year or two. So I don't think it's long before UConn's competing again, but, you know, they're still a few years out. I hope no escalators and the UConn blog heard that. <laughs> they're struggling. They're struggling right now. I love that Twitter. It's like this existential crisis. <laughs> sort of screaming into the void. I love it. So we both have Nova finishing 12-1 and in non-conference play. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Anyone changing their mind on any of those games? Nova beats no. Kansas by 30. There you have it. Nova beats Kansas by 30. <laughs> Chris, you. 12-1. and one. Uh, I'm going to stick to my gut, but I will gladly welcome Nova beating Kansas by 30. So it's that time of the day where we pop open the mailbag, open your questions. As always, you can tweet us at S-O-N-N-Pod. Ask us anything, and we will talk about it on the show. You can also leave your question in the comment section. We have a few here, and the first one is totally on topic. Will Kansas beat us by 20, or are you a pessimist and think it's more like 35? And that is from Chris Lane. <laughs> um, no, I don't I don't think Kansas is going to beat Villanova by that much. I, I don't – like I said, I obviously don't think Villanova is actually going to beat them by 30. I think it's very realistic that Villanova loses – but yeah, I mean, will my opinion change once I see Kansas play a few games? Perhaps. But, you know, at this point, there's a lot of unknowns for them, too. I just don't really see it being that much of a bloodbath. But, you know, we've bounced back from worse bloodbaths in the past. So a loss is a loss. Yeah, I don't think it'll be by 20. I don't think it'll be by double digits either. I think it'll be a single digit margin. But I think Nova does lose. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, Eugene. Close game, but I don't, I don't see it being a complete blowout. I hope not. I mean, I, I don't care. Like, even if I mentally prepare myself for a loss, I can't sit through another Oklahoma-like performance. Very true. This second question is from Matt Gregory, The Life Aquatic. When will Chris Lane be forcibly removed as editor of View Hoops? I'll hang up and listen. 
Uh, Chris it's Lane fine. said he retired. I had no idea he retired. I'm trying to organize a coup, but nobody's answering their emails. Uh, that's where you went wrong. You didn't contact us on Slack. Chris is on Slack. Oh. Can I just <laughs> at channel minus Chris? At, yeah, at channel minus Chris. Or ask Mike J to create a whole other new Slack chat. All right, great. It'll be titled Coup, except the invitation. One thing that's great about Chris Lane, to everyone else, it's breaking news. But to Chris Lane, it's broken news. <laughs> this next one is from Sam Sewell, SoulBet365. What do you think about expecting half of our points coming from two players to begin with, like Booth and Pascal? How about they average 30 between them and the rest of the team averages 25? So 55 points to begin with, give or take five points. First of all, if Nova's averaging 55 <laughs> points per game, I, I, I might have to walk it. I might have to walk it back on 12 and one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh God. That's like Virginia. <laughs> better be playing a hell of defense to do that. And we. Good God. Yeah, milking the shot clock while you're at it too. If that's happening, oh, oh boy. Yeah, we'll be winning by Big Twelve football scores, forty-two to thirty-five. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is this just panic all stemming from you know basically these little reports that leaked out of the UNC scrimmage? Because I really don't think we can read into a lot of what was happening there. So to the extent you're like, oh my God, Phil Booth had forty points, and Sadiq Bay dropped in another twenty-four, and nobody else scored anything. I don't really think that's reflective of what's going to end up happening. And also, that's just not how Villanova's built. There's no way that nobody else is going to be able to get involved, especially when, you know, one or two players on any given night are getting hot. So I don't really see that being an issue. I do hope that, you know, Phil Booth and Pascal step up, at least in these few early games, to really get things going. I think they're both in line for a great year. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where they're the only ones contributing, though. I mean, there's just too much talent there on the roster, and Jay doesn't, design or encourage the team to play like that so i think they'll feed the hot end any given night it could be any different player but yeah i don't really think we're going to get into a situation where they're just going to have to be force feeding booth and pascal because nobody else can get anything going that unc scrimmage like i know we definitely can't read too much into it but how just how did no one else play was it three on five was it three on three and we're all just reporting it yeah it's weird to imagine because i'm trying to you know think of a situation where you know 80 percent of the people that are playing are aren't taking a shot and i mean they could have taken 10 shots and made none we don't have we didn't have like a specific box score i guess but yeah i mean it's definitely hard to see i don't think we'll ever see anything like that in a real game but but yeah it's, it's weird to think about the last question is from christian rodriguez what is your mount rushmore of halloween candy and chocolate and which candy is most overrated Ooh. Well, I, Reese's is definitely on the Mount Rushmore. I think we got it. Reese's go is George Washington in yeah. mind. Yeah, he's definitely there. So we're talking uh, when we're saying Halloween candy. Are we saying like they're little they're little candies? So like the best like snack size ones because some of the candies when they're shrunk, I don't enjoy them as much. Oh, like like what would be an example of that? Like I think the little Snickers are overwhelming. I think there's just like too much peanut in it, and I just basically almost suffocate. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big mini, mini Twix person. I'm a big mini Kit Kat person, um, and I love the mini Mil Milky Ways. So I take them all over Snickers, but big Snickers, love it. Oh, I, I never thought of it like that. I was I was yeah. just gonna I was about to be like, oh, Snickers is number two. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's definitely Reese's, uh, peanut M Ms. Ooh, Kit Kit Kat is good, definitely on there. 
And uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with Snickers. Snickers at number four, even though it suffocates Catherine. <laughs> it's a little one. I'll just have to go to the houses that give away the big ones. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Reese's, Milky Way, Skittles. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Complete delineation from the chocolate there. But, no, I, like it. I was going to put Smarties. Oh, I like I those too. Smarties. Yeah, those are good. Those are good. Uh, don't know if they make the, the cut there. And I guess for four, I don't know. Probably an unpopular choice, but I'm going with Three Musketeer Bar. I don't know. I like those. Interesting. Yeah, probably it. See, my most overrated candy was about to be Skittles. I'm sorry, Chris. <sighs> I would say my overrated candy was Snickers, so. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, my overrated candy are Reese's. Sorry. Oh! oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, I like peanut butter, but just not that much. Okay. I, like I, can, I can have peanut butter all day, every yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Some people can. I I can eat it out of the jar, but when I eat candy, sometimes I just get sick of it. And there you have it. <laughs> That's going to be the most controversial part of the whole show. Yeah, I think it was. This was great. I was glad we got diverse answers, though. I mean, I think about it a lot. It was just Halloween. Yeah, I didn't eat any candy. We're trying. Uh, my apartment is trying to eat healthy, so we donated it all. Oh, wow. Nice. Hell on earth. We I bought a bunch of candy and maybe only like six trick or treaters came, so now I have all this candy. Yeah, we only had ten the entire night. We counted. Our door rang twice. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. So, not a great showing. Uh, Halloween in general, yeah. I like barely noticed it was Halloween. It was like basically a normal night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was on a Wednesday, which helped nobody. Yeah, whatever. In the long run, I don't really discriminate against any candy. I'll, I'll take what I can get. Even almond joy. Even almond joy. Ooh, that's good. Uh, I have to be desperate. How about tootsie rolls? I love tootsie rolls. I think the small ones aren't that bad. The big ones are way too big. Yeah, I mean nobody needs to eat that much. I mean, come on. Yeah, I do like tootsie pops. Oh, those are the best lollipops. We gave out blow pops yesterday. I love blow pops. Another classic. Yeah, I should eat more candy. Yeah, it seems like you're repressing. (laughs) (laughs) repressing. (laughs) Let's just go through the whole list. I need to start a Yukon-style Twitter about my uh, candy-deprived lifestyle. <laughs> Complaining about your apartment. Yeah, and how everyone wants to diet, and all I want to do is eat candy. But whatever. This is what happens when you turn 30. This is what your life becomes. Noted. Don't turn 30. It's dark. And there you have it. <laughs> Catherine Ryan. 30 <laughs> is dark. Life advice. Don't 30 do- is dark. That's Peanut butter and chocolate is bad. You come across the old woman. That's what happens. nothing brings you joy except for Villanova so get pumped for Morgan State next week let's go train train preview coming next week well that's all the time we have for today thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation and totally keep your eye out for Catherine's preview of Morgan State the season opener which I'm sure will she predicted 300 I'm predicting 450 because I think this whole website and its fan base and all of its readers are hungry for some ball we are like at DEFCON 5. It's about the birth. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would agree with that statement. <laughs> I felt that way about two weeks ago, and I and realized that there's just... And now it's just like... Too much time left. Too much. Too much. It's too much. We got to get moving. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podomatic, Google Play, and Spotify. And please rate it five star, five star, five star, five star. Get the show out more. Also, check back at viewhoops.com for not only Catherine's preview, but all the other beautiful Villanova basketball content and sports news. Follow the site at viewhoops on Twitter, and that's also good for Instagram. 
And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And you can follow me, Chris Danziel, at The Stance Man on Twitter. And for every five-star rating, we'll donate a piece of candy to Catherine. <laughs> no, I'm on a diet. We'll, we'll smuggle it in in uh, Villanova shirts and other Villanova memorabilia. Okay, fine. Catherine, thank you for coming on. Of course, anytime. Thanks for having me. Um, if you guys are canceled, I'm sorry to hear about it. But if not, uh, feel free to let me know if you ever need me to come in and rant again. Well, to everyone else, keep your eye out for our Big East preview show on Tuesday where we break down every single Big East opponent, all the storylines, and all the chatter of everything going on in our beautiful, fine conference. Till then, happy Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Villanova basketball will be here before you know it.